All right, it's time to go through the 70s, guys. Are we ready? Some of us were born in the 70s. <laughs> Two of us at the table. <laughs> This is Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. Today, we're taking a journey through the decades. This is part two of helping you live out your retirement vision, whether you're in your 50s, 60s, or 70s. Today, we're focusing on the 70s and beyond. I'm Molly Nelson, host of the podcast here with Rochelle Smith, producer of our podcast. Lauren Merkel's with us. He is a certified financial planner, a certified financial fiduciary, and a retirement income certified professional. Lauren and Haley, once you get to your 70s, the retirement decisions, they don't go away. No, in fact, Molly, I think you coined this decade the decade of the musts because you must make certain decisions once you do hit your 70s. A couple of them off just off the top of mind are at 72 or 70 and a half for some, you had to. And now for 73, age 73, you must take your required minimum distribution. Also, when it comes to Social Security, at 70, you must start taking your Social Security. And actually, you really don't have to, but it doesn't really behoove you to wait after that because you don't get an increase in your benefits. So there's certainly some finalities as, as a way to put it, I guess, when it comes to your 70s. When we talk about the dis- different phases of your retirement, we talk about three distinct phases. There's the go-go years, which is when you just retire and you have a lot of energy and motivation to do a lot of different things like travel. Uh, You have the freedom of time because you never had a lot of free time like this before. And then eventually you transition to your slow-go years, which is where you have a little bit less energy, a little bit less motivation. Uh, You might be finding yourself staying at home more often. And then eventually you're going to transition to your no-go years, which is really you're, you're, you're not traveling a whole lot. You're not doing a whole lot of anything except for Uh, just maintaining some relationships that you can and relationships that you have left. And it's usually in the 70s that we see that transition from the go-go to the slow-go. And then even in that same decade, sometimes from the slow-go to the no-go. So there's a a lot of things that that retirees want to make sure they get wrapped up in the 70s. Uh, People start seriously thinking about long-term care coverage if they don't have long-term care coverage. Or even if they do, you really start thinking about your long-term care risk. So there's a lot of things that really start to come to mind in the decade of your 70s. Yeah, I think about the must and then I think about the should in your 70s as well. And definitely shoring up that legacy plan is an important thing to do in this decade. Yeah, so that's one of those shoulds, I would say, because now you're, you transition to these slow-go years, even possibly the no-go years, and you're starting to think, well, what happens when I pass away? What happens to all of these resources that I've accumulated through my lifetime? What happens to my spouse? Is my spouse going to be okay when I'm gone? So a lot of that legacy planning is done when you're in your 70s because you're now starting to think of, well, I want my spouse to be okay when I pass. And so you're getting that succession checklist put together so that you can help your spouse move forward in one of the most difficult times of their life. Most of the families that we meet, we, we usually meet them in the late 50s or early 60s. And when we initially build their plan, we do incorporate the legacy plan within their overall retirement plan. But definitely, they start to want to revisit that plan that we put into place. One of the one of the nice things about most legacy plans is once you get it set up, right, you get the will updated, you get the trust if you want to trust, the power of attorney documents. Once you get the set up, you don't have to revise it all the time like you would, say, Medicare uh, or maybe even your tax plan. But 
in the 70s, people do want to start to revisit it and make sure that it is exactly the way they want it, uh, even though they set it up maybe five to 10 years ago. Yeah. And that's part of the succession checklist too, is to, you know, review these beneficiaries that you have on file. Because a lot of the times in the 70s, you start to notice that your social circles or even your family circles start to change because people do inevitably pass away. So when that life event happens, it's important to come back to those estate planning documents and review them just to make sure that everything is still intact and that we don't need to make any changes to your beneficiaries. Yeah. And the succession checklist that you're talking about, there is a link in our show notes. We put together a checklist. So this is basically stuff that you can look at right now and it can start you thinking about what happens when you're gone. It's really, it, it is geared towards spouses, Haley, where they could look at it together and start making some decisions, maybe getting some stuff organized. And this, this is something you could do now. And this is also something that we help the families and individuals that we work with do. Yeah, this is one of the biggest ways that we add value to our families because this is one of the biggest difficult times of your life is when you lose your spouse. I mean, from an emotional standpoint, it's it's traumatizing. But from a financial standpoint, there are so many decisions that you have to make within that first 72-hour period. So the sooner that you can prepare yourselves for those decisions, the better off you're going to be when you face that time. So we're talking about retiring in the 70s. Let's go back to some of these decisions that you'll be making or you'll make with your retirement planner, RMDs. The government steps in. You're in your 70s. The government steps in and they say, it's time to start taking out some of this money. The IRS says we have allowed you to save tax deferred and really tax free on your pre-tax 401k plans and IRAs for the last however many years, right? Decades. And now it's time to collect the tax revenue. So for some of you, it was 70 and a half. For some of you, it's 72. For some of you, it's 73. And for some of you who are really young, it might be age 75. Are you and, trying to say this is a moving target? And some between now and then it could even change. Yes, it is definitely a moving target. Kind of confusing to keep track of. Really confusing. But the point is, is that at some point you are going to have to start taking distributions from your pre-tax accounts and you will be taxed on them. And that tax or that income anyway is going to be added to your social security income. If you have a pension, it's going to be added to your pension income. And if you need to take out more from a lifestyle standpoint, it'd be added to that income also. So that is definitely a moving target. It is something that you need to factor in. And the sooner you factor that in prior to being mandated, taking those distributions, the better off that your overall retirement plan can be. And it, be, it can be coupled with many other elements of your plan. So if we, we look at the legacy planning piece of it, it's a can be a big part of your, of your legacy planning piece. It can also be a big part of your, your tax planning piece because qualified charitable distributions are now, you are now eligible for those as well, which means you can take a distribution as a part of your required minimum distribution, send it direct to a qualified charity and not have to pay taxes on that distribution. So it's interwoven into many other elements of your overall ret retirement plan, but it's definitely something you don't want to forget and you want to make sure you get it right. So you said it perfectly, Lauren, because even though these RMDs start at age 73 currently, the sooner that you plan for these RMDs, the better off your retirement plan can look like. Because often this is where the tax plan can intersect the income plan. And so what we're doing is we're looking at your RMDs that you're going to have 10, 15 years down the road, whatever age that may be. And we're looking for opportunities where we can mitigate that tax bill and mitigate the RMDs in the future so that overall we can mitigate your tax bill throughout your 20, 30 year long retirement. Yeah, let's talk about RMDs. So for some people, 
they take them. They live on them as income. They need that money. They're not real worried about the tax implications. But for others, they're a real tax headache because it's not the money that they need to live off of. Yeah, for many of the families that we work with, they, in fact, are not looking forward to being mandated to take their distributions for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is it gives you less control over over your money. It's one thing for you to want to take money out of your pre-tax accounts to live on or to gift or to do all the things that you've saved this money for. It's another thing for somebody else to come in and say, you have to take this out whether you want to or not. And by the way, you're also going to be taxed on it. And so this is, this is why it's so important to pay attention to what you're going to be mandated to take out prior to you getting to that age, because there's strategies that you can put into place to help minimize what that required minimum distribution is going to be. There's strategies you can put into place to minimize the tax impact of what those required minimum distributions are going to be. And then there's also strategies you can put into place with little known rules around RMDs to push off the RMD, your first RMD, to the next year and realize income that you might have coming in from from other sources. So there's just a lot of things they have to pay attention to. And this is stuff that we talk with our families about all the time as they enter their 70s. Well, and this happened for me just this year. So I actually had a family come in early January and he had all of his spreadsheets out. He had his papers. He was gripping them tensely because he knew that this was the first year that he was going to have to satisfy his RMD. And what was special about this was this was his first RMD ever. And so many people don't know this, but when it comes down to taking your first RMD, the IRS gives you a longer time horizon to satisfy that. So typically with RMDs, you have to get those out by December 31st of every calendar year. But when it's your first RMD, you can actually wait up till April of the following tax year to distribute that. So for this family, what was happening in this year was that he was going to retire, he was gonna receive a huge lump sum taxable distribution from his severance, and he was underneath the impression that he had to take out his RMD this year. So what we did is we sat down and we got into his plan and we looked at the tax implications. We basically said, hey, you have two options. We could either satisfy your RMD this year along with receiving that big taxable lump sum or what we could do is we could forego taking out the RMD this year. Instead, let's roll it over to next year. And that year, we're going to have to take out two RMDs because we still have the first one to satisfy before April. And then we have the second one that we have to get out before December 31st. But by giving him those options and putting numbers to it, we were able to save him thousands. And in retirement, every single dollar counts. I mean, when you're on a fixed income, $1,000 is very, very meaningful. And that was just one tax year where we, where we were able to do that. Yeah, and how grateful was he to you and to the plan and to us to be able to save thousands of dollars? I mean, he he had to make the decision. He had to take the required distribution. It was just a matter, does he take it this year or next? I mean, really, it, it was as simple as that. But how do you know which decision to make unless you see the implications of the, that decision? So you were able to show him, what if he did it this way? here's the tax bill. What if he did it this way? Here's the tax bill. And then that made that decision much easier. And I could tell you, he's extremely grateful to have that conversation and the plan along with that conversation. Oh yeah, most definitely. Especially in times with inflation, right? Where you want to maximize every single dollar. So he was so elated that he could save thousands and 
it took the stress away from having to take out a huge lump lump sum taxable distribution. And it was just year. that one little known rule. Not a lot of people know about it, but because uh, this is something that we do every single year, it's, it's something that we talk with those families about who approach that time frame. And we were able to implement it really well for this gentleman. That's just one retirement strategy, and it saved that individual thousands of dollars in taxes. There's probably a retirement strategy that could work for you. You can talk directly with a retirement planner about your situation by scheduling a 15-minute retirement checkup call. This is a complimentary call that you can schedule by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E. There's a calendar right there. You can schedule your 15-minute call. Talk about RMDs. You can talk about taxes. You can talk about just about anything you want, Lauren, from wherever you are. And that's the, the nice part about the 15-minute checkup phone call is what's important to you? What, what are some of the concerns that you are having as you're looking to make this transition, whether it's from the working world to the retirement world, or maybe it's just a transition from your 60s to 70s, and now some, some additional concerns are coming up that weren't really high on your priority list before. And that's part of the benefit of that call. What's on your mind? What, what are your concerns? Let's talk through them and see what we can do to help you out. I think one more reminder for people in their 70s that might be worth mentioning is that you no longer have to take that RMD from a Roth 401k. That is a recent change with recent legislation that we did three actual podcasts on the Secure Act 2.0, but important for those in their 70s. It's really important, and that starts in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. So starting in 2024, you no longer have to take RMDs from Roth 401ks. But currently, as it stands today, if you have a 401k plan with Roth dollars, inside of it and your RMD age and you're no longer working, you have to take the RMD even from those Roth dollars. So the way it works is they're mandating you to distribute those dollars. Now, if it is from the Roth side of it, you don't owe any income tax on that. But because of the tax advantages that the Roth umbrella gives you, you tend to want to keep those dollars underneath the Roth side. So that is a great change that's going to happen in 2024, where we no longer are mandated to take the RMDs from the Roth 401k. So that lessens some of the confusion because you were not mandated ever to take distributions from your Roth IRA. So some people who had Roth 401k plans, you left your employer, you left that behind, you were thinking you didn't have to take an RMD. Well, underneath the old laws, you had to take it. And if you didn't, there's a 50% penalty on the amount that you didn't take out that you should have. So one is it lessens the confusion because it more aligns with what you're required to do from your Roth IRA standpoint. Uh, but two, it also gives you more control over your Roth 401k plans because as Haley mentioned, uh, this is some of the most coveted retirement money you have because it grows tax-free. The more control you have over it and the longer you can keep it underneath that tax-free vessel, the better off you're going to be. If you're 70 and you haven't elected Social Security yet, I can't think of any good reason not to. Can you guys? No. <laughs> no. It stops growing after age 70. So, um, and, you know, I guess that's not totally true. There are some instances where the benefit can grow because if you're still working, Social Security is going to take your 35 highest wage earning years and that's going to determine your benefit. But you don't get that 8% compound growth after full retirement age of where it grows by. So that stops after age 70. So if you haven't taken it yet, there's really no point in not taking it. 
I would just go ahead and take it. Yeah. I mean, there's really three potential ways your social security benefit can grow. One is the cost of living adjustment. So the, the COLA increase, potential increase each year, that would be one way. If you're working and you replace some of the lower wage earning years, that would be one way. And then also the delayed return credit, which from full retirement age up to age 70, you, you your benefit increases 8% per year. And that's what stops at age 70. The other two ways are still ways that your social security benefit can grow, but that's regardless of whether you take it or don't take it. So even once you take it, if you're still working, those those higher wage earning years will replace some lower wage earning years and will increase your benefit also. And often there is a confusion around the earnings limit. So typically with social security, if you take that benefit before before your full retirement age, then you can only earn, and you're still working, you can only earn so much or else they're going to reduce that benefit. But after full retirement age, and this would apply to age 70, there is no earnings test anymore. So you could continue to work, collect your social security benefit and receive the full benefit even while having earned income. Okay. Those are some of the musts. Let's talk about the shoulds. And it's not the fun one. It's not the fun part of your job, Lauren Haley, but long-term care is a conversation you're having with people and in seven in their seventies, they probably need to make some decisions if they haven't yet. Yeah. And this is one of those risks that we talk about when we initially set up the plan. So even for those families we work with who are in their late fifties or even early fifties, we're talking to them about their long-term care risk, but it becomes very real once you start getting into your seventies, because many of you have lived through a long-term care experience. Maybe it's with your parents, maybe it's with a sibling. And what people come to us and say, is I lived through this with my parents and I want to make sure that my kids don't have to go through that as well. So let's revisit what my long-term care risk is in different ways that we can offset that risk because the stats say 70% of people from age 60 that are age 65 or older will have some kind of long-term care event. So it's it's out there. Um, you're, you're seeing people have to go through it and you want to make sure that this is something that, that you have a you have built in your plan to make sure it's taken care of if you have that type of experience. Yeah. Women on average will need long-term care for 3.7 years and men 2.2 years. Okay. So we understand that it's, it's a possibility, something we need to at least plan for. But when you look at the cost of it, it is really overwhelming. And that the cost alone would make me go, I don't even want to think about that. The national average for home health care aid in 2021, $5,000 a month, an assist, assisted living facility, $4,500 a month, and a private room, $9,000 a month. And we know that those numbers are going up almost faster than the rate of inflation because generally healthcare inflates at a higher rate than the general rate of inflation. Yeah, those costs are mind-boggling. They really are. And just think about if five years down the road, you needed to spend an extra $12,000 a month to help with the, from a healthcare standpoint, what that would do to your overall retirement plan. The other costs that are kind of mind-boggling for a lot of people is how do you offset it? Right. If you're looking at long-term care insurance contracts, if you're looking at some of the other ways, the monthly premiums or yearly premiums you would have to pay to offset that kind of risk doesn't set well with many people also. And that's kind of the conundrum with long-term care. Not only the risk that, that you have, the exposure, that $12,000 a month or whatever that is for you, but also how do you offset it? So one of the most important conversations we have to help alleviate this part of the risk of people's plan is we show you. For the families that we work with, we set, we will show them, here's what would happen if at age 75, you need an extra $10,000 a month to offset or to pay for long-term care. Here's 
the impact that it has on your retirement right away. If you're married, here's also the impact that it has on your surviving spouse's retirement in the event that you need that. And that's a really, really important part of the conversation. Uh, a lot of times uh, people will come to us, the married couples, and they'll say, I want to make sure something happens to me that my spouse still has the retirement that he or she uh, deserves to have. And long-term care is one of those costs that can really disrupt your immediate retirement while you're still married and both alive, but also the surviving spouse's retirement. So seeing that, and then also seeing different ways that you can offset that risk. Well, and I was going to say, this is where we can get really creative in the planning because people normally come to us and they think there's only one way to offset this risk. And that's just buying traditional long-term care insurance. But what we know about long-term care insurance is that it is ungodly expensive. And these premiums just keep going higher and higher and higher. And for many people, they just one day can't afford that premium within their income plan anymore. So they just forego the insurance policy. So this is where having a planner can be in, or this is where having a planner can come to your benefit because there are other ways to offset long-term care. It doesn't have to be the traditional long-term care insurance. There are hybrid life insurance policies with long-term care riders where if you need long-term care, there is an income benefit that you can use. And if you don't need it, then at least what you put into it comes back to your surviving spouse or your beneficiaries in the form of a death benefit. And then there's also other products out there that don't require any underwriting that you can get creative with as well to offset a portion of that risk or 100% of that risk, whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah, that underwriting is a big hurdle for a lot of people because sometimes, especially in your late 60s, early 70s, being underwritten for a product like long-term care insurance is not an option anymore because of health reasons. So having options available to you that don't require any underwriting to help offset some of that risk is really important for many people out there. That sentiment of making sure that your spouse is taken care of is so important to the families that we work with. You can start the conversation by going to successionchecklist.com. We've put a link to the website in our show notes. We'll continue talking about retiring through the decades. We've still got the 50s left. And if you want to go back into the library, we talk about retiring in your 60s today. It's been the 70s. We're having fun with this series. And we always have a good time when it comes to talking about living out your retirement vision. We'll keep doing it on this podcast. It's retiring today. Thanks for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. We'll keep doing it on this podcast. It's retiring today. Thanks for living. <laughs> <laughs>